the uh, staff and elders have been working together the last six months, but uh, because this time is going on in the search for the new senior pastor, I've come in to be able to uh, lend a hand and exercise uh, some wisdom and some leadership in, in these kinds of experiences as before. So for those of you who are part of the Discovery Church family, uh, I look forward to meeting you. I met many of you um, in the last few weeks when I've just casually been here or we were at church in the park. Uh, for those of you who are new to Discovery Church, this is a church that's totally committed to Jesus Christ, to understanding, knowing him, and walking with him in this world, in the city of Davis, in the surrounding cities of Woodland, Dixon, and the Sacramento region, and to extend the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. And uh, I can't tell you how happy I am to be a part of a church like Discovery for this season. So uh, just good to be here. My wife's name is Heather. We've been married 26 years. We have three sons, 20, 18, and 16, who are all on the move and on the go in huge ways. Uh, you'll probably hear stories about them woven into uh, some of the times where I share the word uh, from up front. There'll continue to be the opportunity to hear from different voices. If you're part of Discovery Church, there's a teaching team here, and there's people who are able and capable teachers, which is very biblical, and they rotate through to be able to share the word of God with us. Last week, Kevin shared. Um, last week, there was a men's retreat. How many of the men were at the men's retreat? Come on, men. It was the, one of the biggest groups ever going and just heard it was a great time. Also, um, if you were here last week, I want to see a show of hands because Kevin had a great message or you listened to it online. Okay, about a third of you. Well, I, I just want to start off to, this morning by, by saying what Kevin shared at, about last week actually was very applicable this week. Amen? Those of you who were, who were here last week, right, was talking about diversity in the church, about what it means to be uh, reconciled to Christ and reconciled to each other and how that can overcome differences in our world. Nobody watches the news over the weekend in this church. Come on. You know, our world is very, very tense right now. Very tense. One of the exciting things for me to come to Discovery Church a month ago was to walk in and see uh, a little smattering of diversity in this church and an openness to, to welcome all peoples because something transformative can happen in our life when we know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And there's great tensions in our, in our nation, some tensions in our, in our city, in our region, and in our state, and we need to recognize that. And I just want to speak a word of hope to you. When you know Jesus Christ, when you're welcomed into the family, when God is your Father, um, there is a reconciling power that's spoken of in the New Testament church where there was great diversity and great tensions in the culture of that time for those bridges to be built and for a new and different kind of people that were a testimony of life and love and beauty and goodness. And in Antioch, for the first time, people called them Christians. And that's going to be a part of our, our, our passage this morning. It's what other people called them, not what they called themselves. We're going to talk about that today. But I just thought it would be really important, recognizing that we're not self-contained weeks in silos, even if it's your first time here, but we're, we're a continuing flow. We are all people on our faith walk, but we're also on a faith walk together. And if this is your church, we're doing life together, and we're walking in faith together. 
We need to recognize the realities uh, that are around us, the things that, that our coworkers are gonna be talking about tomorrow, uh, the people who we're in school with, or where we move and where we recreate and play, or even our neighbors. And to say, God have mercy on us. Let us be those who think well, are curious, are open, and are full of the love of God, with no spirit of judgment upon us, but a message of mercy and grace and reconciliation. Amen? We celebrate that if you're new to Discovery, as I am. One of the great things about our tradition in this church is we share communion every week. Because at the table, we are all cleansed by the, the blood of Christ. We recognize that we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, that we are one body together. And so we will do that at the, the, the end of our, this message time and, and as a testimony of that together. But I just want to stop. I want to pray. I want to pray for these tensions that are very real. I want to pray for communities of color who, 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 who bravely and courageously, as my uh, friend yesterday that I was uh, spending time with um, shared with me, we put things on the shelf so that we can live day to day, but when something happens like this, it all comes off the shelf and becomes very real to us, and that tension is there. So we just need to recognize that and just to ask God to, to intervene, to empower followers of Christ in Virginia, in every state, and in our very own city, to live differently because we know Jesus. Father God, thanks that we, we can begin this morning with just songs of praise and remember that you are God and that you are engaged. You're not some far distant God, but that you can be here, Jesus, so you can be the center of this community and the center of our lives. And so just in this moment, we want to stop. We each have our own personal burdens, our own personal concerns that we deal with day to day, week to week in our, in, in our own journey. Uh, but God, there's, there's macro things going on in our society, our culture, our city, and our nation, our world that deeply concern us, that, that when we, if we stare at them long enough, um, we can forget the hope that we have and the hope that we walk in. So this is a reset, Lord, this morning where we look at you, Jesus, and when we see you, we can experience hope. When we sit next to the woman or man next to us, we can say that we're here because of wanting to meet with you, to honor you, to hear from you, to respond to you, and to live uh, the bright and the beautiful and the flourishing Christian life. So Lord, have mercy on us so that we might walk as agents of mercy and grace and, and understanding. Lord, teach us to be silent. Teach us to ask the right questions. Teach us to be patient, to confess our own shortcomings and walk in humility and to bring a word of wisdom and a word and an act of power when the time is right. One that's not of this earth, but one that reveals you as the living and true God. So Lord, we just uh, wanted to take this time to stop and to say we feel powerless so many times when these kinds of things happen. We, we feel at a loss. But the right thing to do is always to turn to you, to move toward you, and to acknowledge who you are and how you can work in and through us. So we do that this morning in Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. Well, thanks for, for uh, rolling with that. I just only know one way to do ministry, which is the way I've been doing ministry. So this is how I do it. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that's okay. Um, we are going to be in, in, the, in the Word of God this morning. We believe the Word of God is as everything that we need concerning faith and life and shows us the light to a, a relationship with God now in eternity. So if you have your app, open it up. If you love paper, it's awesome. You know, we, we have Bibles that you can have. They're um, on the communion tables in the middle section. Looks like this. You're welcome to go ahead and grab a Bible. Sometimes we even have people who will voluntarily give you a Bible should you need one. So if you want to do that, if that's you, that's great. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be in Acts 11 and 13. I have a word that I want to drop on you, and I want to see what comes to mind. Is everybody ready? All right, let's try this, because I do a lot. Of, I got to interact with people. That's how, I don't know how all the other teachers do it. I've only heard two of them on teaching team, but I interact a lot. So I'm going to drop a word on you. Is that okay? Okay. For, for, for the 10 of you who it's okay, I'm like pretty excited about what, for what's to happen. So here's the word, missionary. So when I say that word, I'm going to say it again because, and now everybody's going to play along because they know it's an okay word. Um, missionary. What comes to mind when that word is spoken for you? Is there a face that you see? You know, what does it mean to, to, to be a missionary? And uh, the book of Acts has missionaries as part of the story. And we're going to talk about that today. And, and I just think, and, and remember, in my life and experience, and, and we'll blend in a little bit more about me today so, so we can get to know each other uh, a little bit. But I grew up uh, in church. I grew up going to church. My parents were church-going people. And uh, when we moved, um, at, at age of 10, I moved from New York to San Jose, California. And when we moved to San Jose, California, we jumped into this awesome little church of about 100 plus people. That was a fairly new church start. And everybody was kind of displaced and moving from different places there because it was, you know, the, the, the Silicon Valley was growing uh, in, at that time. And I, I just remember that it was a church that, that talked about missionaries, would have missionaries come and share their stories. It was a, a distinct memory. It was the, the age of slides. Now, that for those of you who are, who are younger, this is like a machine that would have little square pieces of cardboard, and there was a transparent picture, and it would, light would shine through. Um, slides. All right. Some, some people on the front. So... Yeah, and so there'd be slideshows, and sometimes they were boring and long, and sometimes they were kind of encouraging. But my parents were the kind of parents who said, hey, come stay at our house, which meant that me or my brothers weren't going to be sleeping in our room. We we're going to be sleeping on the couch. And so the missionaries would come and stay at our house, and we would stay up, and we'd be around the table. And my mom was a great cook, and she, she'd cook these great meals. And we'd hear firsthand the stories of what the people were doing somewhere else in the United States or somewhere else in the world. And I began to kind of get excited about it because both in the church and at that table, I got this really distinct idea that missionaries are the special forces of Christianity. 
missionaries are the green berets of Christianity. They're the seals of Christianity, right? They're the elite. And even as, you know, this young guy, 10, 11, 12 years old, I'm just getting, moving toward adolescence and toward manhood. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's what I want to do. And so I started getting excited in terms of the Christian world because some of, a lot of church was boring. A lot of church was, was just... You know, a lot of drawing and eating Laffy Taffy and hoping for a mint, you know. I mean, it, there was not a lot there for this, the, these young boys. But this missionary thing, you now that could be exciting. And so I kind of aspired to that. And that was kind of the message that, that, we, that was put forth from the church. And that sense of calling and commitment and pursuit grew in me as I became a Christian at the age of 13, as I started getting discipled, and then as I went off to college and I got involved in what was then called Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. And um, even as I was involved in Crew, I was kind of a ministry junkie. So I heard about this missions conference called Urbana um, that's put on by InterVarsity. And so, boom, I went to Urbana. And Urbana was like this breakthrough moment for me where I realized something really, really important in terms of the message that was there because there were a lot of special forces there. There were a lot of SEALs and Green Beret Christians doing radical things around the world. But what I realized and what the overall messaging was there, there was this. There is no special class of missionaries. We're all on mission and we're already sent. I'm gonna say that again. There is no special class of missionaries. We are all on mission. We're already sent. Each one of us is living our lives each day in Davis or Woodland or Dixon or wherever you live. And in that life, you're, you, are, you are moving amongst people where you live, work, learn, and play. And that is where you're on mission. That is where you're on mission. And when you really read the book of Acts, even though there is a distinct sending point for some missionary journeys and that kind of a thing, the church itself is living that existence on mission. And I think that God really wants to remind us of that today. And so since I grew up in church, I heard about the missionary journeys of Paul and uh, we're looking now this week at Acts 11, 13, 16, 17, these missionary journeys of Paul and the church planning that took place. If you haven't been here this summer um, or are new, we've been moving through the book of Acts. Oh, I thought it was a title slide. That is a title slide already sent. But we're moving through this uh, series on the book of Acts and on, on mission. And I just want to bring us up to speed on the book of Acts. So you ready? Acts chapter 1. Don't worry, we're not going uh, verse by verse. Uh, just a couple of points. Acts chapter 1, because it's very important for our message today about being already sent. In Acts chapter 1, you have the 11. They add a 12th by lot. They have a, uh, a prayer meeting, about 120 people in an upper room. Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, says something very important. Many of you have committed it to memory. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have you committed that to memory? It's a great one, too. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you'll be my witnesses. There's two things that are essential, Holy Spirit and you. And when that happens, that powerful interaction happens, you're a witness of Jesus. And that witness of Jesus is gonna happen right next door and to the ends of the earth. And that commission was for those first 11, then 12, then 120, and then for the whole church. The promise comes in Acts chapter two. When the Holy Spirit comes upon that first group, Peter preaches that first sermon, 3,000 are added to their number that day. The important thing about chapter two is that list, the list of the people who heard the message. You can go back and hear the sermon on this using the Discovery app. You can also read about it in Acts chapter two. You can go to a map and look at it. But basically, the entire Mediterranean arc was represented. All of North Africa, all of what we now know as the Middle East, all of what we know as uh, Greece and Southern Europe. There were people from all over who'd come for the festival, the Pentecost festival. When they met Jesus, they had a few days there to be discipled in the way of Jesus, and then they were sent. They went back to the cities that they were a part of, these Jews who now were followers of the way of Jesus. And the church in Jerusalem grew strong. It grew strong both in their life and their activity and also through persecution. And so chapter three, four, five, six, seven, the church is still in Jerusalem. But there's this fired up believer named Stephen. He's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He's an evangelist. He's sharing his faith. He's doing great things. He knows that he's already sent. He gets an audience with a group that don't like what he has to say. And in chapter seven, he's killed. And that brings us to chapter eight, the first few verses. Not only do we meet Saul there, but we learn something very important about the Jerusalem church. It was at that moment that God scattered them. It says they were scattered. The word there is like, for you gardeners, those who would take seed and scatter it. It's not a bad thing. It wasn't that the church was divided. It wasn't that the church was decimated. It's that the, that the people who had been contained there in Jerusalem because it was revival and it was good and it was glorious spread out finally. And you get a story about how they went to Judea and to Samaria, just like Acts 8.1 so Acts, or Acts 1.8. So Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1 act as a fulcrum. It's easy to remember. Acts 1.8, Acts 8.1, that's where it moves to Judea and to Samaria. Now we find us uh, ourselves in this passage in Acts chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, now's the time to take a look at Acts chapter 11. And we're going to look uh, beginning in uh, verse 19. My app working. I hear pages turning, which is super exciting. So in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19, uh, you read about what happens in terms of the start of this uh, church in Antioch, which is a really important church. Let me read for you, uh, beginning in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution, so that happened in eight chapter, eight, chapter 8, verse 1, you hear about Judea and Samaria and the ensuing chapters. Now uh, it picks up here in terms of uh, what happened with a few of those people who were sent out. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen 
traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined every one according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, if you can uh, turn to chapter 12, we're going to read the last verse of chapter 12 into chapter 13 um, as Barnabas and Saul come back from this trip. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Amen. So as we think about being a missionary, I want to talk today about uh, three, quick, three quick thoughts about uh, being a missionary. Now, I asserted at the beginning that there is no special class of missionaries in the church. I was taught poorly growing up. There's not SEALs or Green Berets or whatever. There's people with more training and some who go into much more difficult situations. But everybody who is a follower of Jesus or on the way of Jesus is on mission with Jesus. Where does that start? It starts with uh, being found, being found. Now, I want to challenge you at a later time because we don't have time to get through it all this morning, but... Do a search on the internet for lost and found people stories. So if you want to get inspired, look up lost and found people stories because, you know, the great part of these stories are people are actually found, right? There's lost stories where it's never resolved and it's extremely painful. But these are lost and found people stories and invariably it has something to do with a child getting lost in a place like Times Square at Christmas with masses of people and an APB and all points bulletin being put out and everybody searches and that child is found. And there's a a joyful reconnecting. It's a drama. It's a drama. And for every one of you who is a follower of Christ, Your testimony, your story, really at its heart or at its core 
is a lost and found story, and it's a drama. Now, we just met some people in this story in the scriptures. We met Joseph, but you don't remember his name because at this point, everybody called him Barnabas. But his name was Joseph. He was a Cypriot from Cyprus. He was one of those people who had traveled to the festival in Jerusalem and responded to hearing that the Messiah had come. He came expecting one thing at Pentecost, and he was affected and changed in such a dramatic way that he sold a piece of land in Cyprus to be able to fund the way of Jesus. And he was given a new name, Barnabas. Saul's lost and found story is pretty well known. He, he was the Jew of Jews. He was not responsive to the message of the way. In fact, he persecuted the way of Jesus, and his name was Saul. He was there when Stephen was killed, and he rejoiced over it, and he was the head of the persecution. But he has a pretty dramatic found story because the resurrected Jesus himself encounters him on a road and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he has this radical conversion story in terms of his being found by Jesus. John Mark, what do we know of him? We just heard of his name in the story. Well, what we understand in terms of Bible scholarship is that he is the Mark who assisted Peter in writing down a gospel, what we call the Gospel of Mark. And curiously, in Mark chapter 14, 51, and 52, there's this strange little story dropped in there about a young man who uh, the, the guards try and grab, and as they do, they pull his cloak off and he runs away naked. Do you ever find really weird things in the Bible? Funny little stories like that. Is anybody else other than me? Come on, I see some smiles on your face. It's like, what? Why is that there? A lot of people believe that's the way uh, Mark introduces himself. He was, he was a follower of Jesus. He'd been found by Jesus. And he has a very imperfect story in terms of going on this journey with Paul and Barnabas and bailing out and then being given another chance. It's an incredible story to look at. But it starts for him with a found story. The people in Antioch, Acts 11, 20, 21, 24. If you go back again and read that this week, it's a diverse, diverse group of people. Uh, Antioch was a world-class city. Antioch was a place that was drawing people from all over the world, like Davis does, because of, of the University of California, Davis. And so there was a diversity of people there. And they were all people who had found stories. So I just want to ask a, a little question on this first part about being found, because it's, it, if you don't have this story, then, then everything else, the whole idea of being on mission or being already sent doesn't make sense. But if you're here today and you've been found, you know, there was a reason for it. There was somebody who found you. There was a time when you were found, and there was a person who found you, who spoke to you. For me, I was a church-going person. You're all church-going people because you're here today, or at least you're trying church today. Some of you are kids. Some of you are hoping that your mom's going to give you a mint. You know, but, but you're here today. And somebody found you, and somebody was willing to talk to you about the gospel and the, and the life and the person of Jesus. And for me, it actually bounced for me at a camp because it wasn't just going to be the faith that I shared at church because I did rituals like communion or because I listened to sermons. 
but it was because Jesus died for my sins, not just my dad and mom. Jesus died for not my sins, not just my pastor. And I needed to receive that personally. We're all lost, but we all can be found. And what it involved was someone showing you that God's real and telling you the, the truth about that. The gospel is so simple. It's so simple. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus a long time, but I want you to, to hear. And, and I ask Holy Spirit to give you ears to hear. God exists. He created you to live in a relationship with him. And he's made a way to relationship with him. Even though we're far from him because we sin, because we're different than God, God made the way to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we receive Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, his life, and his leadership, we begin now to walk with God in this life and have the hope of heaven forevermore. It's the heart of the gospel. It's for you. It's for the others in your family. It's for you. Where are you at today? Have you been found? Is there even still just a little tiny question mark? It's like a six font question mark at the end of your question about whether you've been found or not. If you're found, God gives you an exclamation mark. I'm found. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm following the way of Jesus. Boy, I have a long way to go, but I'm following the way of Jesus. You have even a little question mark today. We're going to pray before we have communion. And today can be your day to say, I really understand that. I want to know the living God. I believe he exists. I believe he's personal. And I want to walk with him in this life and have the hope of heaven forever through Jesus. On mission then also means finding people. So if you're on mission and you're his disciple, then you're, you're called to be Jesus to other people. You're called to be Jesus to other people. I'm going to spend a little less time on, on this point uh, than I'd like, and maybe I'll come back to it at a later time. I had the privilege of working in northeast Pasadena with a man named John Perkins. He founded an organization called the Christian Community Development Association, and he taught four R's of being able to be present where people are to bring this message of Jesus to them. Relocation, reconciliation, restoration, redistribution. And I um, had the privilege of working with him in Northeast Pasadena, seeing this happen, what it meant for him to say, I've been found, I am now a disciple, I'm now on the way of Jesus, and I'm going to be representing Jesus to the people of this place that's really ruled and run by gangs. But he understood that just as Jesus came full of grace and truth, John chapter 1, verse 14, John and his team were being asked to be present that way in that neighborhood to see change and transformation. And it came, and it happened. Think about Barnabas in our story. How is he described? He's described as full of the Holy Spirit and faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of, of the presence 
of God, the presence of Christ being present with them. How is Paul described? Paul is described in terms of what and how he's doing the ministry and the work of Jesus, teaching, and if you read on, healing and, and doing the work like Jesus did. Later on, he would write to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and he would say, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm being Jesus, follow me in that same way that you're following Christ. And the people in Antioch were doing the same thing. How do we know this? Because that's the first place it says in the scripture, chapter 11, verse 26, that they were called Christians. This was the first place they were called Christians. Now, I said earlier, you know, we can call ourselves Christians. I want to suggest to you that that might not be the most helpful thing in our current culture and society. You are Christians. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm just saying the word Christian means many different things to many different people. Follow the way of Jesus and let people look at you and determine, go, that person must know Jesus. Because a Christian, the definition of that word in its original language is little Christ. She's a little Christ. He's a little Christ. Christ meaning Messiah, synonym, Christ, Greek, Messiah, Hebrew, right? Don't worry, you're not the Christ. You're not a false Christ. All it means is you're representing Jesus well. I want to represent Jesus well. <laughs> I want you to represent Jesus well. We want Discovery Church to represent Jesus well and to walk well in Davis, Woodland, Dixon, and the surrounding area. Oh, what, what do we call ourselves and what do other people call us? I, that's a pretty important distinction. Um, Josh McDowell, Campus Life, and this was true in Young Life as well, and it's become an axiom that everybody uses now, but it, it's... Um, one that many of you already know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Extend the love and the grace and the mercy and the invitation and the presence of Christ. And then be ready to open your mouth and share with them the truth. Being willing to tell people about Jesus. So now what does it mean to be sent? If you're found and you're being Jesus' incarnational presence, in the, in, the, in the life, in the circles that you live, what does it mean? Well, you're already set in, this, in the sense that you're part of the places where you live, work, learn, and play. Where you live, work, learn, and play. Um, my wife, Heather, is a very good cook. She's also an excellent baker. But sometimes we don't plan ahead well enough for meals. Confess. So sometimes we get going on the meal has this ever happened to you? We get going on baking the cookies and we realize we don't have enough flour. We get going on, 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 on cooking the meal and we realize, oh, we forgot to buy this ingredient. So guess who goes to, to volunteers to go get the ingredients? Yeah, so I jump in the car and I'm sent by Heather <laughs> to go get those ingredients. Um, I go through my neighborhood, I see my neighbors, I talk with the people that I, I know by name at Rayleigh's um, and I come back. When I go to work, when I go to California Family Fitness, the club that we're involved in, or involved in, when I, I, I go to Vista High School where my, my kids go to, to high school, and I talk to the coaches and the teachers and the parents, when I'm at a party like I was last night sending off uh, a young woman to her college life, these are the places that I'm already sent. 
And I, what I think happens in church, church, listen to this. You're waiting for someone to send you to be a missionary. You might be waiting to be qualified enough, or you might be waiting for someone to eye the talent that you embody <laughs> so well and to call you out, right? But what I want to say is you're already sent. Roly, Roly um, said this uh, in our opening comments. Thank you, Roly. That, you know, we're gathered here to be encouraged, to meet God, to, to worship him, to hear a word. But where we live, work, learn, and play that's where the action is. That's where you're going to go after we've gathered this morning. The normal Christian life is that this simple. You know, we're found, we're the presence of Christ, and we're sent out. There are times, and you'll even notice it in the, in the coming weeks, and in the, in the life of Discovery Church, there's times where people are here, and then they're sent out. Some of you here are PhD students uh, or graduate students at Davis. You know you're here for a season, then you're gonna be sent out. This has been a church that sent many, many people out who are having influence in cities and in places of intellectual development and power all across the nation and the world. It's exciting. But while we're here, we need to know that our everyday life is where we're sent. We don't need to wait for the mission that we're involved. I'm super impressed. I'm going to take a risk here. That should wake you all up. Anybody who's dozing off, I'm taking a risk. Super impressed with Mormons at times. On, ter on terms of some of their systems and their functionalities. Because I grew up in a Christian church, a Christian church that was committed to missions, a Christian church who gave significant money to missions, who sent out missionaries to specific assignments. But I have, um, uh, in Folsom, where I live, it's one of the highest uh, proportional population of Mormons in the United States, in terms of population. Significant, very um, strong community, strong wards and stakes. And so many of my kids' friends uh, are, are in the Mormon church, in the Latter-day Saint church. And that's a church that understands that they want to try and send out 100% of their young people to a mission, at least for a year, but preferably for two years. And when they, they get their mission assignment, I'll never forget, I went to a graduation party with a remarkable young man, senior class president of Vista DeLago High School. And in his family's living room was a map, a pin map. How many of you have seen a pin map before? And on the pin map were, were pins and pictures of all the family history of back three generations and where they went on their missions. The nuts? Come on, people. It's, you can be impressed with me. I'm just saying, to be part of the King family was to be a missionary. To be part of the Mormon church is to be a missionary. Followers of Jesus at Discovery Will you stand up with me? No, stand right now. I'm asking you to stand. If you're not part of Discovery, you can stay seated. Seated. But if you're, if you're a Christian, you can stand. 
Because here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna pray, the, the worship team's coming up now, and we're gonna move toward these communion tables. And I really, really want you to consider this fact that you're already sent. That, that there is a, there's a pride and a joy and a wonder in the fact that you're not just called to be found and to be saved and to have the hope of heaven. You're not just called, right, to live the Christian life in your, in, in, in your day-to-day world being Jesus, but you're called to have that grace and that truth coming forth from your life in a way that shows people Jesus and invites them into that life. That is you. That is Discovery Church. That is the essential heart core of our mission, is more people and more families meeting Jesus and finding a place to walk with people who are following Jesus in this life and figuring it out as we go. (laughs) So we're gonna pray a prayer. Again, I said to you, some of you are awakening this morning for the first time to the fact that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And this can be your morning to say yes to Jesus. For some of you though, you're awakening to the first time that you're not just called to to show up to church or to do certain Christian things, but to have a deeper conviction that you are part of God's family, God's missionary family. And I imagine somewhere in heaven, there's this huge map. (laughs) It's God's family map. And the pins are there and the faces are there. And you're pinned to Davis or Woodland or Dixon or if you work in Sacramento, wherever you live, work, learn and play. And to say, I'm going to be going out and I'm gonna be part of this world this week and I'm gonna represent Jesus well. So this is a time where we're gonna come and we're gonna share communion. Roly will give us a few instructions about that, but let this be a time to reflect, to repent and to recommit yourself to Christ and to being his woman, his man in the world, to share his message to a world we know desperately needs him. God, we pause just for a moment and recognize you're here with us. We rejoice in the fact that your word brings us to life. We want now as we respond to you for this to be a time, not just where we go through ritual or we go through um, reflection, But God, that as we go out to get in our cars, as we go home or to a restaurant and we live out the rest of Sunday, God, that you would bring back again and again and again what it means that you want us to live out and walk out the life that we read about in the book of Acts right here in Davis. If you're that person this morning who doesn't yet know Jesus, it's very simple. You pray a prayer and you say uh, something honest to God like this. Say it out loud quietly where you are. God, today I believe that you exist. I believe that you know me. All of the good and the bad and the brokenness in me. And I want to ask you to receive me as your child, to forgive me of the things that I've done wrong and to heal me of the wrong that's been done to me to begin to walk with you today in life. Pray now that you'd receive, let me receive your spirit to assure me that I'm responding to you today. My response to you today is bringing salvation to my life. In Jesus' name. Now, if you just um, received Christ 
as Savior and Lord, this table is for you. It's a table of remembrance. It's a table that will refresh and remind you. If you're walking with Christ today, as you receive that uh, cup and that bread, you're going to be receiving the refreshment and renewal and reminder what it means to have Christ and to be Christ where you live, work, learn, and play. Rolly.